This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Why does God allow his children to suffer? This is a familiar question that we all have occasion to consider uh, on a regular basis, uh, given the frequency of trouble uh, that we encounter in this sin-cursed world. And we all understand, I think, some of the basic answers to this question, right? And yet, review is good. And so tonight we're going to consider this question again. Now, this will not be a a sermon. Instead, I'm going to call it more of a Bible study. And we're going to cite multiple passages of Scripture. And so you probably don't want to attempt to to turn to each passage. We're going to cover a bunch of them. Uh, probably best, I think, if you just listen. And if you want to note the references, the scripture references that uh, we'll mention tonight, that might be a help to you. You can uh, review them again at a later time. And I'll have the verses up on the screen. Of course, this is a, uh, a big topic. And uh, we can't cover it fully tonight, but I pray that even this uh, brief review, this simple review, will be helpful to us. And so again, tonight we're going to consider the question, why does God allow his children to suffer? And this evening, we'll offer seven scriptural reasons why God allows us to encounter hardship and trials. Uh, Why seven, you might ask? Why not eight or ten or six? Well, I figured, you know, seven is the number of completion, right? And so seven's a good number. We could offer ten or perhaps as many as 15 or 20 uh, reasons that the Bible gives us. Uh, But for sake of time, we're going to stick to seven. Um, Many of them, if we went more than that, would would overlap uh, to a large degree. And uh, again, you'll notice that the seven reasons that we'll cover tonight, these are not merely uh, intuitive. Rather, they are scriptural. In other words, every reason that we cite will come directly from Scripture. There'll be a Bible verse attached to it. You'll be able to see it. And so I pray that this is a help to you. Um, even though I know that many of you, again, these are, we're, we're mostly familiar with these truths, I think, but uh, it, it's helpful to see them again in the Word of God. I can tell you that they were helpful for me Uh, 15 years ago when I was going through the most difficult period in my life uh, by far in the midst of my darkness in the midst of my great trial as I refer to it as uh, in the midst of my depression something that I I I always thought depression was for wimps I'd never had a bad day in my life uh, before that time, um, 
when I came upon these truths that we're going to look at tonight, and when I realized that God was at work doing something special and specific through my suffering, that he had an agenda, uh, a purpose, I can't tell you, a, uh, a sense of encouragement uh, and comfort just flooded my soul. I can even remember the day. I can even remember a specific sermon that I was reading. And by the way, it wasn't this sermon. I didn't, I'm not plagiarizing. Total, totally different sermon. Um, I haven't even gone back and, and looked at that one um, for many, many years. But um, anyway, as those, these truths, some of them we'll, we'll see tonight, as they uh, penetrated my heart, my soul, as the Holy Spirit brought them alive, uh, it, was, it was exciting, uh, even euphoric, even in, uh, again, a very, during a, what was for me a very, very dark time. There's a lot more I could say about that, but uh, I won't tonight. Um, anyway, if there's any hope for you having a similar uh, experience tonight, it's not going to be because of my words or my manner of uh, presentation or my uh, skill uh, or lack thereof as a, as a speaker. Uh, instead, the Holy Spirit needs to communicate these truths to our heart. And so let's, let's pray now again briefly and ask him to help us. Lord, we do pray that you take these familiar truths and use them to encourage our hearts. Lord, help us to realize that our suffering is not meaningless, but that you have good and specific purposes anytime you allow pain to touch us. And so please bless our time in your word now, Lord. Let it be profitable and helpful, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, two preliminary notes uh, before we begin. First, this uh, brief study assumes the absolute sovereignty of God in all our circumstances. The Bible is clear that God is sovereign. He controls all of our circumstances for his good purposes. Uh, we're going to consider some of those purposes tonight, but we won't take time to prove from Scripture that God is sovereign, that he's in control. Uh, we don't have time to do that, and besides, you know that to be true anyway. So we're going to just proceed um, with that understanding. Second preliminary matter, we should, we should note that sometimes, perhaps oftentimes, we don't know all the reasons why God allows a particular hardship or tragedy into our lives, right? We don't know. His ways are higher than our ways. The secret things belong to the Lord, the scripture says. Similarly, we may never know the main reason or the big reason why God brings trouble into the life of a believer. For, exa for example, Job. Job didn't know that there was a cosmic contest going on in heaven between God and Satan. He didn't know that. And uh, God never told him, it appears. 
And so, as with Job, in our lives, we may never know all the reasons why God does what he does or why he brings a specific hardship into our lives at a specific time. Just to take one example, we will likely never know uh, all the reasons why God allowed our church bus to crash last month. And we will likely never know why some in that bus suffered significant injuries and others didn't. God doesn't tell us those things. But tonight, we're going to focus on what we do know about God's purposes and our trials in a general sense. And these are reasons, I believe, that apply to every believer, every child of God. Further, I would contend, I would argue, that the reasons that we will examine tonight, God wants to accomplish these things probably every time that we experience hardship. In other words, while God may have other purposes, other reasons on particular occasions um, for our suffering that we're unaware of, things that are unknown to us, I think probably every time the seven reasons that we consider tonight, I would think that he always has these on the agenda, or at least some combination of them. And uh, if you think otherwise, you can, we can talk about it after. Maybe you disagree. But uh, again, we don't know. I, I hope that makes sense. We don't, know, we don't know every reason why God does what he does, but there are certain reasons that scripture reveals to us. And, uh, and they're good, and we can be thankful for them. So let's begin, or else, uh, or else we'll never finish here. Uh, reason number one, God wants to sanctify us. In other words, he wants to grow us. He wants to grow our faith. He wants to make us more like his son, Jesus. James 1, 2 through 4 says this, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience or endurance. Verse 4, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire. In other words, mature and complete in the faith. Wanting nothing, lacking nothing. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 4 is similar. There Paul tells us that we should glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience or endurance, and patience, experience, and that word refers generally to godly character, and experience, hope. Of course, Romans 8.28, very familiar, well-known verse, tells us that God works all things together for good to them that love him. What a, what a wonderful promise. And we know that the good in verse 28 is what? It's conformity to the image of Christ in verse 29, as you see up on the screen there. 
And so clearly, God wants to use our trials. He wants to use our suffering to make us more like Jesus. And that reason in and of itself is exciting, if you think about it. But how does he do this? How does he do this? What is it about hardship that promotes or fosters advances our sanctification, our Christian growth. Well, uh, perhaps the next few reasons that we're going to look at will help us answer that question. So reason number two, God allows suffering to humble us. God uses trouble to humble us, to deflate us, if you will, when we get puffed up. Has anybody here ever been deflated by God? Uh, I can tell by the, the, uh, the laughter that uh, we, we all have, and we all need this humbling on occasion, right? In fact, we probably need it uh, continually, given our sinful tendency to drift towards self-sufficiency and self-dependence. And of course, when we're talking about God humbling us, we understand that he does this in love. This isn't something unkind or mean that he does. He does it lovingly to help us. The children of Israel needed to be humbled as they were preparing to enter the promised land. Deuteronomy 8.2 says this, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee. And we'll stop there. We'll, we'll pick up with that verse here in a minute or so. And so one of the reasons that God allowed Israel to wander in the desert, in the wilderness for 40 years was to humble them. And you know, God brings us into the wilderness for the same reason, to humble us. But even, I think, even in our smaller trials, even those that we wouldn't consider a wilderness, even when we simply lose our wallet and we're faced with having to get, you know, new credit cards or worry that somebody got our credit card and maybe buying stuff and we got to replace our driver's, driver's license, even on occasions, even with smaller trials like that, I think God wants, a, wants to remind us that we are not self-sufficient, that we desperately need him each and every day and every minute of every day. Reason number three, God allows his children to experience hardship to test us, to test us, to test our hearts, to expose our hearts. We could say it this way, God allows trouble to reveal what's in our hearts to us. God obviously, he knows. So he's helping us evaluate the condition of our hearts, helping us evaluate our walk with him. Let's look again at Deuteronomy 8.2. Uh, there the scripture says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Of 
course, God already knew what was in the hearts of the Israelites, but they needed to know it. So God allowed them to wander, to prove them. That word means to test, to test them. God was testing their hearts and thereby exposing their hearts to them. And God wants to do that work in us whenever he brings challenges, difficulties into our lives. This combination of humbling and testing or exposing should cause us to run to the Lord, seeking his mercy, his help. In other words, our trials should cause us to draw nearer to him, to lean on him, to depend upon him. Perhaps we could say it this way, our difficulties should help refocus us. And that's reason number four. God allows suffering to refocus us, to help us lean on and trust in our God. And if we were to keep reading in Deuteronomy 8, we would see that God told the Israelites that they needed to stop trusting in physical bread and instead trust his word, trust in God himself. In other words, they needed a change of focus. But let's look at a different, we're going to look at a different text uh, to make the same point. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, you can see it on the screen, Paul wrote, and you might think, wait a minute, we're, we're switching from the, uh, the Israelites who were stubborn and sinful. Uh, now we're talking about the Apostle Paul. He didn't need to be refocused, did he? Well, well Paul was human too. Let, let's, let's read. Uh, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 and 9, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Verse 9, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Why? That we should trust not, excuse, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. As I said earlier, the reasons that we're looking at tonight, these are not simply intuitive. Instead, they are based on clear statements of scripture. And in verse 9, Paul says that he was under a death sentence, or at least that's the way he felt for sure. Question, why did God allow this to happen? Well, the next clause, that final clause in the verse tells us. And that clause, by the way, begins with a Greek conjunction that denotes purpose. It's a purpose clause. So again, why did God put them in this situation, Paul and his buddies, where they felt like they were about to die? Well, the answer, Paul tells us, that we should trust not in ourselves, but in God. Paul and his friends needed to be reminded of that. And so do we. God puts us in difficult circumstances for the same reason, to refocus us so we will look 
to him. Because we get distracted pretty easily, don't we? Uh, we really do. And we're all tempted to trust in ourselves. But we need to look to God instead. We, we need to be refocused. And as we look to God and as we meditate in his word, he reveals himself to us in wonderful ways. And that takes us to the next reason that we'll look at. Reason number five, God allows us to suffer so he can teach us. So he can teach us. In Psalm 119, verse 71, David writes, It was good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. In his work to sanctify us, God humbles us, he exposes our sin, he refocuses us, and then as we look to him and his word, he teaches us. And I bet uh, there are many of you in this room tonight who could give testimony to very special times that you've had in the word of God during periods of hardship. Am I right? Similarly, I bet uh, many in this room, many of you could share very specific things, specific lessons that God taught you from his word during difficult times in your life. In fact, I'm quite sure that we could probably spend another, the next uh, hour or two sharing those testimonies, you sharing those with us. But of course, we need to we need to move on. Next, as God teaches us and grows us through our trials, he also equips us for greater service to him and others. And that's reason number six. God uses our trials to equip us. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 4. You have it. Uh, up on the screen in front of you. There Paul writes, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth, comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. That passage is, is pretty clear, isn't it? We suffer so we, in turn, can encourage others who are suffering. We could put it this way. God uses trials to equip the body of Christ to serve one another, to comfort and encourage one another. And so if you think about it, this means that we, we need to suffer. Right? We need to suffer so that we can be better used of God to help our brethren. You know, we have a lot of Navy folk in this church. Um, and it seems like those who are assigned, I, I wasn't in the Navy, but uh, you know, hear a lot of stories. And uh, it seems like those who are assigned to ships, especially, they're always conducting training, right? And going through these qualifications 
And I've heard the term sea trials, heard that term a lot, workups, proficiency exams, and so forth. Why? Why do they do all that stuff? Well, to make sure they're ready for deployment, right? And, and possibly battle at sea. Well, the same is true in the Christian life. God puts believers through trials to qualify us so that we're ready to help others. So we can be an encouragement to our brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, not to mention our own children and grandchildren as they encounter difficulties. You know, when I observe godly believers who suffer, it occurs to me, this thought crosses my mind often, that God is further qualifying them for even greater service so they can minister even more effectively for his glory to help their brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, again, I think that's something that God wants to do in all of our lives as we encounter trials and tribulations. Finally, reason number seven, we're almost done. God allows his children to suffer so he can bless them. So he can bless them. And of course, if you think about it, everything we've looked at, the previous six reasons, it's all blessing, right? And in that sense, everything we've looked at so far represents blessing, but there's more. There's more blessing with our great God. How about this one? How about this one? Has anyone here ever struggled with assurance of your salvation? Well, do you realize that God uses our trials to give us assurance, to give us an established, persevering faith so that we know that we are truly children of God? 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 says this, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. God tests our faith that it might be found real, genuine, and enduring. Do you all remember the parable of the soils in the Gospels? Do you remember what happened to the seed that fell among the stony places where there wasn't much dirt? Recall that that seed represents a person who received the Gospel initially with joy or appeared to because it sounded like a good deal. Heaven always sounds like a better deal than hell. But when tribulation or persecution comes, that person was offended and they turned away. They were unfruitful in the end. They abandoned the faith that they never really had in the first place. By contrast, when true believers suffer, when we suffer, and when, instead of 
turning away and abandoning the faith, we run to God in our pain and cry out to him, calling out to him for grace and mercy and help. We cling to him. We begin to spend more time in his word. That is evidence of true saving faith. Faith that will one day be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And gaining the assurance of our salvation um, is a wonderful thing, right? And our, our trials help us attain that. So there's blessing now. There's blessing now for the Christian in the present. And there's also blessing in the future. Let me read 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. This passage tells us that our fiery trials will result in joy and gladness one day, one day in the future when Christ's glory is revealed. Perhaps we can put it this way. Heaven will be even sweeter because of the bitterness that we experience on earth. And this is perhaps why Paul in Romans 8.18 says this, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In 2 Corinthians 4.17, Paul says something similar when he writes this, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Praise the Lord. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up, or at least begin to wrap it up. Our time is winding down. We've looked at seven reasons why God allows trouble, suffering into the lives of his children. And there are other reasons we could have mentioned tonight but let's, let's conclude with a, let me conclude with a bonus reason, okay? Here's a, here's a bonus reason. I don't want to call it an eighth reason. Uh, I think seven is better. And, uh, and even if we put a number to this one, it, wouldn't, it couldn't be number eight. This one would probably have to be number one. In the end, it's all about the glory of God. God is glorified as his children grow through their trials, as they are equipped through their trials to comfort others, as they trust him despite their pain, and as they focus on him and study his word and draw nearer to him through their pain, God is glorified through it all. And we could look at several verses and uh, if you advance the slide one more, brother, you can see that uh, 
You can see down there at the bottom, I've got a few of them. This is just a few, just a handful that I've listed that directly address this matter of God being glorified through our trials. But uh, again, we're, we've run out of time. There's, uh, there's a lot more, as you know, as you, as you know, there's a lot more uh, that can be said on this subject that we can't cover tonight. It goes, it goes much deeper. It involves our relationship to the Lord Jesus. It involves our union with him, our fellowship with him. In Philippians 3, Paul says that he wanted to know Christ. You remember that passage in Philippians 3? He said he wanted to know Christ and the fellowship of his sufferings. In other words, there was a sense in which Paul wanted to suffer so he could be that much closer to his Lord. And I know that there are, again, many in this room who could testify to sweet times of fellowship with the Savior during periods of hardship in your lives. Our suffering brings us closer to our Lord. And that in itself is probably the greatest blessing of all. Aren't we blessed to be God's children? I, I love the truths in this message. As I mentioned earlier, uh, when I first began to study these things uh, on a, a deep level, I was, uh, I was so encouraged because I understood that my suffering was controlled by a sovereign God. I was not the victim of circumstances, uh, not the victim of chance. And even beyond that, I learned that God was working intentionally, specifically to help me to do these good things in my life. And uh, to me anyway, that was, that was very encouraging, very encouraging. And of course, that's what God wants to do in each of our lives as we suffer. He is constantly working in all of our circumstances to achieve his good purposes. He is always up to something good in our lives. And so tonight, as you depart, Consider your sovereign God and his great goodness toward you, his plans for you, his specific plans for you, and praise him for that and be encouraged. Let's close in prayer. Father, we do praise you tonight for your great love for us, for your care for us, and for your infinite wisdom. Lord, you have a plan for each of us. And uh, Philippians 1.6 says that you will carry out your plan to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, we're thankful that you even have purposes for the trials, the pain, the difficulties that you bring into our lives. These things do not happen by chance. Instead, 
you are working intentionally, specifically, and masterfully to fulfill your purpose for each of us. So, Father, help us as your people to be encouraged by these truths. And may we be motivated to serve you and trust you with all of our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.